Welcome to this even worse idea of all time, where we watch Bad Mums 2 uh, 52 times. Yeah, the we this week, though, a um, bit of a change-up. I, Alistair, am here, but Jamie isn't. Now, that's quite... The, but I'm still here, um, so I hope you like, you know, me. Um, Jamie was here. He, he was, was here. Yeah, he, he, you know, he came into Wellington, slept all the way in and... What is frankly some ghastly weather? It's it's cold, it's windy, it's rainy. It's a real trick, and I, I assume as he walked through the driving rain, he thought, well, the one consolation is going to I'm going to be able to sit down, uh, you know, for two hours or so, watch a movie, not a know, good movie, dry off. Movie. I'm going to have some time to just relax. Mm. But about about thirty minutes into this film that we we're watching, he got a he got a little telephone from his work, and they said, "Why are you here, mate?" <laughs> And it turned out he was supposed to be at work ten minutes ago, which That's... real dilemma for him and the cinema-going public, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, um, they don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, they're milling around. Um, anyway, so he had to take off, and um, basically now we're just doing it. You may notice um, that we, Jamie kind of does a lot of the. the he does structural. the opening, yeah. Holds it together with a bit of hello and welcome, and it's very professional. He keeps um, us on track. In a way that, you know, we, we might not be. We get by on our sort of charm, but, but when when <laughs> he's gone, we're all uh, at sea. Yeah, um, we are. Um, yeah, we're, we're a bit lost without him. But, hey, we're going to do our, our level best. Oh, look, we were lost without you for four weeks. We've got to have all oh, of us here. Because um, Alistair is, of course, back from the South mm-hmm. Island. Um, but you, Good to be back, Oliver. <laughs> good, good to have you. I will go as far as saying that it is a, it is a real joy. You know, I can't pretend that it's not great to have you. Oh. Uh, it's, a, it's a real different, different energy with all three of us in the room. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Still not a good film, but um, still not. What? Surprise, surprisingly forgiving watch this week, though. Absolutely, I was very sympathetic to the characters. But what, what would you say is is the general? Um, your learnings from your time, your four watches alone. Well... What have you taken from that experience? Um, I, I kind of don't have them all on me, but there no. were quite a lot of new moments in the film that I noticed, um, especially kind of audio ones, less less so visually. Because you had your earphones in, because I Yeah, because I had headphones in and because obviously um, there was no one to talk to. So just like little audio cues, little bits of music, even, even some little snippets of dialogue... Um, that I picked up. I think kind of, yeah, you just slightly, slightly more in-depth watch of the film. Um, overall though, I've got to say, I think it was, um, a lot easier than I thought to watch those, um, watch those four watches. And you think that might be because of these new things. It's still relatively early. Yeah. Days. Because, because I'm not so familiar with the film yet, you know, it's only been what, 15 this is number 14. No, 14 watches. So, obviously, there's still a lot of fresh material um, in the film. Which is a, a great thing. You know, we haven't run out of stuff yet. Every time oh, there's yeah. a new little bit. Oh, God, I saw some new bits today that 
Um, one one bit in particular is my shining light. I'll get to it in a moment. Um, so so yeah, I think potentially like doing four watches, you know, towards the end in the thirties or forties would be would be tougher. Mm. But even then, there might be new stuff regularly. Like, I'm scared yeah. of getting to watch 52 and then not watching the film anymore, but feeling mm. like there's still stuff that I'm missing. And well, feeling like... we can always <laughs> extend it to a 104. Yeah. I might have to watch it sort of covertly in my own time just to see if I'm not, I'm <laughs> not missing anything. That would be truly tragic. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you had an all right time, but, but yeah. now, now now you're back. Mm. Um and I, oh, sorry, one, just one more note. I think oh, any, any form of novelty is just so valuable in a project like this. And I was able to kind of watch it in a, you know, a few different locations. Like, I, I, I did call in on this one, but I watched it, like, in a car ride once. And I don't know. So any kind of difference in location was almost enough to kind of make a difference. Yeah, recording it here, the only factor that changes is, is in our mental states mm. within us. Um, we've got nothing else to bolster that. Um, but it's this house treats us well when it's a, when it's a nice watch. Mm. Um, it felt quite cosy today. Uh, yeah. not, not, not loving it as a film. No. So often these jokes... Um, really falling flat that, that used to work and I was yeah, you I, didn't laugh until about sort of 70 minutes in I was a bit worried because <laughs> um, no. traditionally you were quite a laugher at some bits that baffled yeah. me and Jamie but now I've come to miss that because you know even these bizarre laughs it's some really shoddy material um, it's better than just this, this deadly silence well yeah I mean I think potentially that's another consequence of watching it on my own is just like these um these bits just don't stand out for me at all anymore. Like previously, I know I might have missed missed a few, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely over the vast majority of jokes. Yeah, the, the the previous best joke, the the partridges, they'll only survive in the wild. You know, they don't have any survival skills. Doesn't work for me now. Jamie actively dislikes it. That's really... I don't actively dislike. I still think it's delivered reasonably well, but it's kind of like yeah, you know. Susan Sarandon continues to impress um, because really? she's going out there. She's she's got, actually you you did point out that she's gone a bit farther. I I think that she's been ramping it up slowly throughout yeah, the watch. But now she's kind of you know she's like I don't know I guess let it go to her head a bit. She's kind of trying she's trying she a heard, bit too hard. She heard us praising her to, to keep it wacky and out there. Yeah. It's like, okay. But she's like maybe I'll do this for every line. You know. Take about 10% off the top there, Susan. Yeah, when it's just black pyjamas, it's just these little moments that pop out. It's like, that's a weird delivery. Yeah. But if it's every line, it's like, you know, you're no longer resembling a human. Mm. You know, I can't relate. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that is true. But Christine bounced back for me, actually, this week. Yep, Christine. She's been taking a bit of a break recently. And you've got to do that. You've got to keep the energy up. And she has come back. Yeah. With an absolute stunner. Oh, look, I think it's unreasonable to expect the same level of energy from all these actors, you know, it's week a tough in, week thing. out for a whole year. Yeah. I mean, we are, we're only watching it, you know, they're performing it. It takes, um, takes it out of you. Oh, it does, it does. And she's not a, she's not a spring chicken, you know. She's, she's, well, no, but, you know, she's, she's seasoned. She's a veteran. She's seasoned. Um, hey. Hey. What? <laughs> what is there to say about this film oh look I think um, the more we watch it not only do the jokes get less funny but you become really aware of the bits where it's just shoddily stitched together 
because there are quite a lot in this movie and I I kind of don't know enough about other movies like if I watched them would I see stitched together in what sense well just in the way that like characters kind of leave randomly halfway through scenes just so they're not that doesn't seem normal I mean, but, like, watching it the first time, you definitely you wouldn't notice that. Jamie said that last week. It's, it's and, like, I feel like quite a lot of comedies... Obviously, you can't keep all the characters on stage all the time. You know, it's kind of like a problem in... We, we've staged a couple of plays together, and it's a bit of a problem, because you just kind of... You can't really have them just standing at the back. So, but, like, this film, I feel like does it quite clumsily. For it. what The most kind of glaring example is that... At the end, everyone is having a huge Christmas dinner, and then, kind of ha- just halfway through, it's in full flow. Tyson Wendell comes in, does his thing. Him and Carla go off to fornicate, yeah. but and then, and then Sandy says, "Oh, we have to go, or we'll miss our flight." And it's like, it's, why? Why have you kind of made plans to leave halfway through this dinner? Yeah, and it's these are just, the last minute just, plans because they're saying they're new friends odd. and stuff. Um, and you can't book a flight on Christmas Day. Well, yeah, I mean, that's more of a practical... Yeah, but also problem. emotionally, I feel like it really does stunt any any um, chance I have of getting somewhat emotionally invested mm. in the end of the film. Yeah. Um, it should feel, you know, they've come together, that's sort of nice, they're having dinner. But it just pulls the chair out from under you. They just leave. You feel really empty. It's like, what have we achieved if they can just leave halfway through dinner? Not mm. even say goodbye to your daughter, who, to be fair, has just gone off to do unmentionable stuff in another room. That's a... Oh, God, yeah. It's deeply unprofessional, but you should still, I don't know, say that you're leaving. Because that's the whole the whole point of the relationship with Susan Sarandon and her daughter is that she was going to leave yeah, without saying goodbye. Yeah, Carla, Carla comes out and she's just sees another note. <laughs> she's, entirely, abandoned her. she's entirely unraveled oh, the God. progress they were making. I imagine it should be devastating. We're going to Vegas. Yeah. I mean, at least she's you got... Know, and, and we know... Okay, actually, this is another thing that I've, I've just thought of. We know that Susan Sarandon has, you know, a gambling problem. Yeah, Vegas, they're enabling not, her. not the best city for her to be in. <laughs> Notoriously, That's like taking an alcoholic to a bar. A bit of gambling goes on there. <laughs> it's yeah. So that's um, I don't know. I think okay. Well, and this is another kind of bit which is shoddily stitched together. Just the whole plot line between. Isis and Carla, Susan Sarandon and Catherine Hahn. No, it's just, it's just, it's really weak. Because the other ones, they um, they end in a big conflict that means the mothers are leaving, um, sort of heartbroken. Yeah. Um, the relationship has hit rock bottom. Um, there's, na- well, there's like clear tension which grows, leading to a conflict and then resolution. The nature of Carla's relationship with her mother is that a lot of this is sort of unspoken tension because Susan Sarah, what's her character's name? Isis, Isis of course, um, is so sort of resistant to conflict. Even if you try and argue with her, it just can't happen because mm. she's just so out of it. But that means it's they don't come up with a, a suitable way of working around that. She just leaves. The last scene, they're just, you know, stealing from a supermarket. Yeah, it's... it's There's not even any setup to the fact that she might be leaving. They seem to be getting on better than ever. Yeah. And maybe that's... But they still... Well, exactly. And it, it explicitly says, you know, like, I miss you, you know? Like, they, they're yeah, kind I'll, of building... Maybe I'll come and spend more time with my grandson. And maybe what they're trying to do there is... Uh is then when she does leave, that's a big impact because she was interested in getting just, involved. But it's so... It comes out of nowhere. Like, 
Exactly. There's no and, bridge and, from oh, that yeah. scene at, at all. It's exactly. It's, it's just disconnected. Totally out of place. It's disconnected. It's it's just poorly written. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what what else is there to say, really? Um, just back on the on the stuff before about them leaving for no reason. You know, we we compare it to a stage show and and stuff, but even you know. In in sort of improv, you're encouraged if you need to leave the stage if you've got no purpose there. Mm. Um, you say a reason for leaving. Yeah. Even if it's sh- sort of shoddily thought up, um, it's better than just leaving the stage. Like with the improv, you know, you, you say something, you go, "Oh, I've got to go and shoot down this UFO." If that's the scenario. <laughs> yeah. If you're at Roswell, um, uh, some sort of reason. Just, just my telephone conversation. It's not so hard. Like surely it's basic, and it's not like this film is entirely shoddily made like as we've said there are a few there are some some parts of it which are actually well we were talking about this this week sort of thematic resonance in in terms of giving characters something that is relatively subtle that comes back I I, off the top of my head what was it what was it it was something with Ruth wasn't it there was one with with Carla how she we only we only found two examples of this, and we like to have three for a working thesis. But her pretending to be unenthused, you know, going, you know, stripping with my mum. How could I say no? Sort of bait and switch. Mm. And she does that at another point. Um, I can't quite remember, but there is it's, something with Ruth. Oh fuck! Oh no, it's when it's when Ty asks her out, and she's like, "No, I can't. I have a strict code." And yeah, she's like, I'm, I'm just kidding. Fucking. That's really poor content, it's but it's a sort of recurring thing. Yeah, um, and it's like it's, yeah, it's kind maybe of like, you've thought about these characters' trajectories. It's not coming off well, but there's each character has a, quite a distinct voice, comedically. Y- yeah, which, yeah, and which, some bits yeah, are, are genuinely. It's not, it's not something that's as easy to pull off as you know you might think. Um, and like yeah, I don't know. There's just like this characterization and like the set dressing. I've mentioned this before, but like. There's, you know, the scene where Kiki and her husband Kent are in bed together. There's, like, you know, little bottles of moisturiser or mm. whatever on the bedside table. You can see Kent's watch laying out there. Like, that's a level of detail which I feel like I wonder a if lot of decent films don't have. Those bottles were meant to be lubricant. Well, it's possible. Because um, it's said that they've possible. had sort of marital issues in terms of getting it going in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you got a bit of... Could, could well be. Hired help. And there's a picture of the, the child who looks like their blonde child. Yeah, exactly. That, like, that impresses me. Um, she looks terrified, she looks frankly. probably like she's laughing. But anyway. Yeah, you can't so, tell. But then it's just kind of so so weirdly incongruous when there's like these, I don't know, just really shitty bits. Photos um, are actually quite horrifying, just capturing you in one moment of time. Like looking over at that picture you've got on your wall of comedian Sean Locke. God he, bless him. This is him in motion, mm. and he he did this, you know, on a TV show four or five years ago, and that's mm. always going to be there. Not necessarily on your wall, although it should be. It will. Um, but that's always captured, and yeah. it's just one moment. And that's not natural. I think there's something a bit beautiful about that, though. It's kind of you know a, f- a fight against impermanence, as is everything. A fight against it. Yeah. You know, a, a small gesture of... Um, oh, of permanence, of going, you know, like here's just is. one, you know, 
Yeah, we're speeding through life. But here's a moment in time. Here's a moment that's that is gone forever. Yeah. But we can look back on it. It's gone yeah, but not yeah. forgotten kind of thing. That's like, true. Actually. I, I don't know. I mean, I was just contrasting it to another photo I have of um, some friends, um, and I don't know. I think I feel like it's it's kind of kind of nice to just have those um those like you know very kind of I guess limited but also quite specific snapshots of. And, and I guess the fact that they're limited is, is quite good. Mm. You don't normally get to see one moment. You don't normally get to slow it down. You've absolutely... You've really sold photos to me. Uh, and I know they're not a new thing. <laughs> but um, It's something that everyone has to discover in their own turn. There's a bit of a duality to them. It's, it's quite good. Mm. That's, that's wonderful. Hey, um, what were you going to say? <laughs> oh, I've entirely forgotten. I'll tell you what, though. Um, I think Ruth is a drug dealer. All right. Ruth is the character played by Christine Bransky. Uh, uh, people probably know, Amy's but just mother. in case you haven't watched the film. Yeah. Um, Hit us with your so evidence. So, here's the thing about Ruth. Here's what we know about her. She is rich. extraordinarily wealthy. Which She's not just rich. She's, you know... She's Ludicrously. Got she's, yeah. Vases from the Titanic. She's got eyes from the goddamn moon. It's um, the moon. The, the, you know, the moon. Heard you of it. You may have heard of it. Um... You know, she fucking like. It's so lame. In one day, sets up a. Isn't it just? Like. I mean, technically, it's called Lunar, I think, but that I don't know. It's incredibly lame. Hey, you know, because that just refers to the the moon. But you know, in sci-fi, they give their moons a name. Yeah. If an alien was coming to Earth's moon, it's like, oh, let's go to the the moon. I guess it's kind of kind of cool that like. Well, arrogant, okay, not cool. Like, this yeah, moon exactly. Is the moon. It's arrogant. This is the moon, the definitive article. <laughs> I've seen some other moons, but this is the moon. Phobos, basically just a lump of rock, <laughs> not even round. And that's way out, out the back of the solar system. Yeah. I want one that I've got easy access to. Mm. If I've not walked on it, it's not the moon. <laughs> bloody, bloody astronauts. Fun, fun fact about the moon is that I've heard it's um, like without the moon life on Earth would be fucked because a lot of asteroids that hit the moon because they get sucked in by the like the moon's gravity they'd get us instead they'd get us instead hey Would, thanks that'd moon. be real detrimental yeah next time you look at the moon thank it just, just whisper a little thanks under your breath the moon's got great hearing and it's got a lovely little face you stare oh, up yeah. at him I always see like... a rabbit to be honest genuinely yeah. I do see the face it's, it's sort of a screaming it's got an open mouth a bit horrifying I prefer my rabbit I'll stick with him I'm not quite sure how you get the rabbit because the big craters seem disconnected. But next time I'm I'm looking up at the sky. I'll point it out to you next time we look at the moon together. All right. Um. Okay. No. Christine, very wealthy. Oh yes. Here's <laughs> what else we know about her. She's been gone from Chicago for. A oh long shit! Time. Sorry, sorry. Remember, keep that in mind. But I'm just while we're talking about Titanic. Oh yeah. That's another little thing we oh, noticed. Oh yeah. Um, in terms of character consistency, this is actually the best example. So I'm glad I remembered it. Um, she has, uh, memorabilia from the Titanic, but also earlier on, and this is such a subtle thing. She says, "I'm going to sing My Heart Will Go On" by Celine Dion, which is of course best known for its use in Titanic. Mm. Um, and it's just like this little thing but it shows that she's got some sort of appreciation for the Titanic yeah it's a, a feature in her life that, that recurs more than and once it's not Ruth just it's definitely random... the kind of person who would like we're not like I don't feel like it's too much of a reach to say that Ruth would be a huge Titanic fan yeah and I feel like maybe she was actually a fan of the disaster before it was a movie <laughs> like not a fan but like interested oh. historically yeah and she's like this is this is some crazy shit mm-hmm. I feel like she's into icebergs 
Um, yeah, she's kind of got a morbid fascination with it. Ice from the moon. There's something about ice, you know, cold. Yeah, she's quite a cold person. Much like her, but yeah. um, hidden depths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Subjects. No. Christine but, was the iceberg and that it, sank the Titanic. It's sort, <laughs> it's sort of that connection doesn't feel like it's random. No. Maybe it is, and they just stumbled across it. They it thought, could be that we've been driven mad by um, watching the film. I think that's times. highly unlikely. I love watching films fourteen times. Now <laughs> tell us about Christine. Right. So we know that she's been gone from Chicago for an unexplained reason for how many years? Many, many years. Um, and now she's making a triumphant return. That's why she wants to have the party. So that, to me, implies that, you know, maybe she didn't want to leave Chicago, but maybe she was kind of forced out by, you know, the drug authorities. She's been on the run, but now, I don't know, the statute of limitations has expired, and she's back. Um, and also so why drugs specifically is a crime of choice um fuck I don't have a reason for this but I I wrote all this she does at one point uh, maybe she's been sampling her own supply she does at one point say she hasn't eaten for three days yeah it's like I just I, I mean I guess I could see her as a kind of just like criminal um kingpin slash boss overall but I feel like she'd definitely have fingers in the drug trade at least um, sorry, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna find the document that I wrote all this down and absolutely you the time. It's um lovely to be the only one talking into the microphone. I quite like it when there are three of us here because when the other two are talking, I can use some time to think, um, so I can control the words coming out of my mouth. And when there were two of us and Alistair was gone, it was a bit harder because I had to constantly focus on exactly what Jamie was thinking. There was no time to collect my thoughts with just me. It's just monologuing. It's the first thought that comes to mind comes out, and that's quite dangerous. Like, now, it's it's all right, because I'm just talking about the process of what I'm doing right now. But it could go to some dark stuff, because there's no sort of filter. There's no control. It's horrifying, people who do podcasts on their own, and I guess a lot of them write the scripts, and we do actually script this show entirely. Um, oh, yeah. This is a weird bit. I don't know why we wrote this. Um, it's avant-garde. It is, it is. It's, it's we trust our self-referential. It's meta. I, I trust no man. I trust only animals. <laughs> livestock, they'll get me through. Um, and livestock's a very offensive term, actually, for them, because I don't see them as stock. I do see them as alive. I see them as alive with spirit and sometimes electricity. Um, I was once... There's an electric fence at my grandparents' house, and um, it's, it's, it's the surges of power that go through it vary. Sometimes it's quite weak, um, but, you know, it will sort the cows out if they walk into it. Sometimes it's so strong that even if you're just standing next to it, it will give you quite a kick of... You know, electric energy, um, and and it did, and it knocked okay, me off back. my feet, and I thought it was my I thought it was my sibling, and I was very angry. Um, okay, right. So I've got more stuff. It's not necessarily drugs, but I guess I just made that. That's assumption. just where your mind goes. That yeah. says more about you. Well, yeah. Um, it's because I'm actually a drug kingpin myself. Anyway, so we know that Ruth has connections to Eastern Europe traditionally. Pretty shady place. Would you call her a queen pin? Um, I've not heard it before. No, I mean I, I'd like I a more gender-neutral term. Yeah. Okay. Um, a, a ruler pin. No. A non-specified sort of member of royalty pin. Maybe we just call her a, a crime boss. 
Kingpin is a very cool word. Anyway, because she was sent to Croatia, she she went to boarding school there. Um, Wait, this is in the film, yes? Yeah. Okay. She says she no, memory. Sent her, she, no memory. No memory. She says her mother sent her to boarding school in Croatia for getting her ears pierced. I, this is all, this funny is all new to me. <laughs> it comes just after she says she was slapped wearing... Yeah, we don't find that funny anymore either. Um, I used to. And this devastates me um, because I really wanted to use it as a shining light, but now I now just don't probably find it gone. funny anymore. Yeah. I'm, I'm really holding out that one day it's I'll be in the right state of mind and it'll get It'll actually again. work again. Yeah. Um, anyway, she, she makes repeated threats to kill people. Um, and... <laughs> And indeed, <laughs> not, does ju- kill not just that, um, but Amy also kind of Im- treats her as someone who could. She calls her Saddam Hussein, and she says that she like like takes people on death marches. Yes, so bizarre. She says it's like Saddam Hussein's living in my house. It's like living how in is, how is it possibly like that? It's some dark shit. Yeah, unless you know your mother was some kind of. Crime, unspecified crime lord. Yeah. Anyway, um, she's and literal talking to. Death matches. She's talking to. Um, oh, for, it's firstly, sorry, not firstly, but you know. Also, she she displays a strong focus on family values, much like the mafia often yeah. refer to themselves as a family. And lastly, um, she's talking to some guy at the party, and he looks really shady. I don't trust him. Is he the guy who just understands immediately? What's- yeah. He's too quick on picking up things. He's like, oh, he, I'll say He definitely looks like someone who's um, been involved in some criminal business. The extras in the party are also good. Yeah, we noticed that. They were doing a lot of heavy lifting. So, look, I'm relatively convinced that Ruth is in some shady business. Um, I'd like to think better of her, mm. but she's the one who's most likely. You know, Susan's just a bumbling sort of drugged up woman hey my shining light this watch was really basic it's something that you've always liked the sort of running gag that Mm. um um christine bransky doesn't know the identity of jesse the man who is seeing her her, her daughter pretty pretty serious relationship so most of the gags just never work for me but at one point in the film um they're just in them in right in the middle of this sort of tense argument and Mila in, invokes Jesse's name. Don't remember the context exactly, and just deadpan, entirely sort of convincingly. Christine says, "Who's Jesse?" And Who's I Jessie? loved it because it's like you should know who Jesse is. Is the joke that the movie wanted to make work for me, and that is good. And I laughed. I think what's funny about that is that it's it's not like she's even being especially mean to it's Jesse. It's just a tense moment. She, she genuinely, genuinely doesn't, doesn't know. fucking know who he is. And it's such a nice way of cutting through this Despite, argument. Yeah. Like, who's, who's Jesse? It's this really good joke in the middle of something quite serious. That's how you, you structure mm. a film, that, you know, drama and comedy. What was your shining light? My shining light was kind of a, a weird... shining one. light is a part in the movie that we liked. We like to focus on at least one positive thing every time. Um, my shining light, it was kind of peculiar I'd kind of I don't know like there are a few things that were working for me and I was like okay one of these will do but then in the church scene in in the background of one of the shots there was this man looking just like straight ahead and he just had such a kind of I don't know, incredible lack of expression no on his face. No movement at all, straight ahead. The woman no, behind... But the he, woman he also to managed to look incredibly focused on whatever was happening up the front. Which we see none of. We'd no, well, no I think idea it was a choir, it's a choir performance okay. during their um, big tiff. 
But like these people directly in front of him are having a very emotional conversation. And one of the people behind them is looking concerned at him. Yeah, but yeah. He is he is having none of it. He's just looking straight ahead. Nothing like is gonna keep him from his quiet. Zonged out of his fucking mind. He so might be dead, yeah. He could well be dead, he could be on fucking anything. Christine uh, might have bumped him off. Something about his face just had me in goddamn stitches. It was I think it was the first time I laughed in the film and I just mm. I, I lost it. He's really good, really don't, good guy. Yeah, don't know, don't know what it was about him, but really loved his face. You know where I love? At, At the, the Sky, Sky Zone, Catherine Hahn is doing something. What she done? At Sky Zone. Alistair, this week I would like you to tell me what you think. What you think? Mm. Mm. Catherine Hahn is talking about when she says she is not allowed within 50 yards of a sky zone. Well, here's the thing about Catherine Hahn. Um, Mm. She tried to set up a small theocratic nation within the sky zone. The sky zone, as we know, is a sovereign state. Catherine Hahn attempted to take it over. Theocracy is... Theocracy Religious? Yeah. Yeah. A state based on religious principles. Um, but she, it, she had invented a new religion. She would. None yeah, of the, no. None of the ones are good enough for her. And it, it wasn't even one like based on her. Like This wasn't a power thing. She was just at a stage in her life where she'd come deeply... Genuine belief. Genuinely believe that um, an old tyre that she had found, <laughs> um, and that kind of, if you squinted at it, the cracks in it had a face... And she genuinely believed that this tire was um, the supreme deity. Yeah, she called it the Big Kahuna. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she did. Um, the weird thing is, though, the, the weirdest thing is that she was actually right. Um, no, no one in the film knows about it, but um, that tire was the supreme deity of the entire multiverse. And um, they all treated her like she was a joker. Yeah, and eventually, you know, the, the pressure got to her. Um, the Sky Zone security forces managed to you know, surround the trampoline pit where she was holding out and, you know, took her out with pretty, pretty violent. She was in hospital for a while. Um, And it was a health and safety violation as well, because one of the offerings um, to this great God is um, she believes that pineapple rings, um, since they're the same sort of shape, they hold some of the power of the big kahuna. So they offer them up. I mean, it's kind of weird because any, you know, ring shape would, but I but don't know why specifically she chose exactly, pineapple Exactly, because they're lumps. perishable, and yeah. and they can't... They believe that once they've presented them up on the altar, they can't then touch them. That's mm. the property of Big Kahuna. If he wants to take them away, fine. Otherwise... Yeah. And he doesn't. Um, you know, he's real. Yeah, he's, he's a real deity, but he's kind of, you know... He doesn't actually so, like pineapple. So abstract... Because obviously, you know, there's no there's no way a human mind can comprehend that sort of. Uh, he doesn't eat our food, power. and the, and the pineapples were just rotting, and yeah, it was causing and, a lot of illnesses. Yeah, well, that's why her her theocratic nation it was called Kahunaville. Mm. Um, some some argued it was a cult. You know, I don't want to split hairs. Um, but you know, they had a pretty powerful military arm, which is why they managed to survive as you know for three years in there. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but eventually, all this rotting pineapple just started bringing them down from the inside. Well, yeah, I mean, they ran out of space. That's how bad it was. It was, yeah, there was nowhere for them to live. Yeah. If you if you, if you're offering up twenty pineapple rings per day, you do the maths. Yeah. We all know how big Sky Zone is. Yeah. Um, so, so basically, um, it was, yeah, I don't know, it, it, 
Yeah, sort of making them, device. and then the police could sort of get in. Um, yeah, surprisingly, um, due to some you know legal loopholes, all she really got was the the ban from Sky Zone, which not very well enforced. So where's the big Kahuna gone now? Oh, he was um, thrown into the harbour. The, the god and creator of us all. Well, the thing is, to him, you know, you have to remember that the universe is billions of years old. He so can wait. He barely even noticed the whole episode. <laughs> That's it was crushing. Because this is such a big chapter yeah, of her life. So it's got a band from Sky Zone for Pete's sake. Yeah, I mean, that's why her son is kind of a bit odd, is because, you know, his mother was a, a cult leader for three years when he was in his, you know, infancy. Yeah, he grew, really he grew up skew your eating a lot of rotting pineapple. It's not good for your <laughs> developing brain. That's what I've heard. That's what they tell me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you know, it's common knowledge now, but at the time, you know. My father tells me every morning, as I'm leaving the house, he says, I hope you've not got rotting pineapple in your bag. It's bad for the developing brain, and I have to take it all out. <laughs> all right, Dad, you got me this time. Oliver is, of course, in the parent of the big kahuna um, <laughs> cult. Yeah, this Anyway, is so, um, for all we know, he's still in, you know, the, the Chicago harbour, um, but, you know, he could be out there in the multiverse singing to the stars. What an image. Yeah. I'd like to think so. Singing Orinoco Flow by Enya. Hey, do you think that's it for this week? I think we've, we've you know, said enough. Absolutely. Oh. Um, Take care. I hope everything works out for you in your individual lives. Hmm. Sure as heck isn't for us. Hey, um, I've, got a, I've got a little gift for the audience. Lovely. Hello. It's uh, it's Jamie here. I am one of the co-hosts of the Even Worse Idea of All Time, uh, but unfortunately I was not able to make it to the recording session this week, as, as I think Alistair and Oliver have, have told you. Uh, a mere half an hour into the film, I was greeted by a text from my shift supervisor saying, Jamie, where are you? You're supposed to be your shift ten minutes ago. Um, so I had to race back out into another part of Wellington to, to start my job. Uh, but I've, I've completed the watch uh, on my own this week. The first time I've ever watched the film by myself. And I have to say, it, it wasn't that bad. Uh, you know, got home from a, a long day of university. Pretty bleak weather out there in, in Wellington. Uh, you know, it's, it's supposed to be summer. What's that about? Um... Yeah, and, and I just I, I, I got into bed, you know, climbed into bed. It's a bit, bit cold in the house, and um, dug into bed. Mum's turning. There was a sense of familiarity there. Obviously, there should be. I think fourteen watches in, um, but a sort of a, sort of a, a level of comfort, a level of coziness. You know, it, it was something I knew. Uh, you know, so, something I know well to just just to give me a wee cuddle on this cold, well, supposedly summer day. Uh, now. That being said, the film is still bad. Uh, it's it's still by no means a good film, and I wouldn't say I enjoyed my watch by any means. But it uh, it, it wasn't quite as, as crushing as I thought it would be. I'm not going to stay here for long, uh, but I thought I would just contribute my shining light. I don't want to be, you know, um, I want to have 52 shining lights by the end of this. So, um, you know, uh, I, I need to contribute to the, to the canon. Uh, my shining light this week was something I hope hasn't been mentioned before, uh, but it's when Susan Sarandon, uh, her character Isis, she's she's visiting Carla at the Ocole Spa, and um, 
she sort of brings up that she needs she needs a little bit of a loan for an investment opportunity and then sort of Carla says look you know you do this every time you, you disappear but then you show back up briefly in my life and all you do is ask for money and as she's sort of going on this rant Susan's rant she's going what 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 sort of increasingly loudly each time and it's something I you know I have noticed before but um I never really truly appreciated and this week I thought you know that's that's good well you know good good is oh look it's all it's all subjective isn't it you know when when I got to work yesterday after you know an hour late and I sort of told them I said oh look I was in the middle of watching Bad Mums too when you when you when you contacted me um, and then I said, oh, you know, now I've sort of, I've got to go and finish it off by myself. And, and you know, my, my workmate said to me, look, sh- surely, you know, surely you can just not watch it, you know, you just, just tell, just tell your friends that you did. And I said, you know, look, that's, that's, that's against the whole spirit of this thing. The whole spirit of this thing is, is that we are, you know, united and dedicated to this really fucking dumb idea. Some would say the worst idea of all time. I would personally say the even worst idea of all time. Um, you know, it wouldn't feel right skipping it. You know, the whole point is that you come out of the other side and you say, "I've seen this movie fifty-two times," and if you and if you're not putting your whole heart into it, then you know what's the point. I mean, I would argue, what's the point anyway? But <laughs> but if if you're not even going to be true to the project, then really, what is the point? Um, yeah. So that's me this week. Hope you've enjoyed what uh, what Alistair and Oliver have had to say. Some interesting stuff about some sort of tire god there. Um, so that's something we can possibly dig into further. But uh, for now, I'll leave you. Uh, you know, enjoy whatever you're doing. I hope you're happy out there, whoever you are. If it's someone I know, thanks for listening. I'll be interested. You know, is this what you'd expect of me? If it is someone I know, perhaps not. If it's not someone I know, hope all's well with you. You know, that's that's all we want, isn't it? Just for everything to be alright. We'll catch you next time. Hi, it's uh, it's actually just just Jamie here again. Just just one more thing I wanted to add on the end here. Um, you know, where where I wouldn't get resistance from Alistair or Oliver. There's a uh, there's a scene in the in the film where uh, Ruth, played by Christine Bransky, is is offered a churro. And uh, just have a little something to say about churros, actually, because I, I feel as a, as a society, we need to lay off churros, not in terms of eating them, just just being nicer to them, you know. Occasionally, I'll, I'll mention churros, you know, I'll say, oh, I quite like a churro. And the response is always, oh, churros are overrated. But the thing, I'm not, I'm not the one rating them so highly. You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that churros are the next Christ or anything. I just like them, you know? But every fucking time some smartass pipes up, oh, they're just donuts. Yeah, I know what they are. I'm very aware of what they are. And I'm not trying to make them out to be anything else. But I like them, and I wish you'd get off my fucking back. Ah!